Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy 19. Deuteronomy 19. Now, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, just so you know, on Wednesdays, we study the Old Testament, and then on Sundays, we study the New Testament. Every now and then, uh, there are times where we have uh, 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 messages that are uh, don't follow that. Uh, sometimes there are topical. It's very, very rare. Uh, there's been maybe like uh, five. I'm just going off of memory now, but maybe like five in the last last couple years so it doesn't have it happen very often but every now and then uh as the spirit leads uh we have uh topical messages uh but if you have your bible open up to deuteronomy 19 one thing i have to say too is uh, 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 pray for the remnant church. Pray for one another. Uh, uh, pray for the remnant church. Pray for this ministry. Uh, this ministry, it's, uh, uh, the, the outreach. The Lord is growing it. it the, the, the word is going forth across the globe in all continents, except for Antarctica. Uh, but you know, we'll get there one day, Lord willing. Uh, but pray for this ministry. Uh, there are times, uh, you know, I thought these spiritual attacks would come later. I thought they would come, uh, well in into the 70th week of Daniel, uh, but there are times where uh, there are restrictions being placed on these broadcasts. So uh, pray for this ministry that we're able to continue. Uh, but uh, uh, as we always say, uh, store your oil. Learn to make bread and store your oil because we're living in very, very, very dark days, perilous times, times of sorrows. As the Lord teaches, he doesn't say it's a time of sorrow singularity. He says a time uh, times of sorrows, plurality. Very, very perilous times. It's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. But what's so beautiful is for the remnant, just as what happened in Egypt when darkness befell Egypt and it was palpable darkness, like you could have your hand in front of your face and you can't even see your hand pitch black. But there was light in Goshen and that's where Israel was. And what a beautiful model we have for the last day saints storing our oil not being foolish virgins but being wise virgins understanding the times you see and being wise to the times redeeming the times so pray for one another pray for this ministry and we continue to study the word of god and so in Deuteronomy 19, remember in Deuteronomy, this is the last book of the Torah, the five books of, of Moses, the Pentateuch. And what we see here is this final exhortation that Moses has for the next generation that's passing into the promised land. And we see here in verse one, when the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this, even in these last days, this is a, 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 a point of consternation among the world, among many, many people. Oh, Israel, this, the invaders, uh, they're the invaders. But, you know, we have to understand what's happening, happening of, of course, in modern times. But remember, Moses tells the children of Israel, is it, is it because Israel, is it, is it because you're awesome? Is it because you're awesome that, 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 that the Lord is doing this? The answer, is no and for my jewish friends i love you this isn't to say like you know oh you know uh uh uh, uh here's another christian with this anti-semitism now i want you to know if you're jewish i love you i say this and i'm never gonna get tired of saying this 
in me you have a friend. There's plenty reason for Jews to be uh, uh, cautious of Christians because among Christianity, you have people who say that God is done with Israel and that the, the promises of God are now to the church. That's what's called replacement theology. This is where you have like John Piper, Gospel Coalition, a lot of Calvinists, not a lot, but you know, a, 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 a big chunk of Calvinists, reform theory people, you know, a gospel coalition, it's replacement theology, which is a lie from the pit of hell. It's, it's, it's unbiblical. God is not done with Israel. Now you also have among Christians, you also have a, 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 a historical Lutheranism where, you know, from my perspective, you know, what Luther did with the New Testament, he should have done with the Old Testament. And so a lot of times these uh, 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 you can look at the, the writings of Martin Luther and you see anti-Semitism and uh, you, you, there's no denying it. But what he did with the New Testament, he should have done with the Old Testament, but he didn't do that. And so you have this doctrine that has spread and this doctrine, his teachings that have spread, which some of them are beautiful. Some of them are OK. But when it comes to the Old Testament, not OK. You see, and so for my Jewish friends, I love you. This isn't to say, you know, when we look at verse one here, when the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you. And you hear me say, well, you know, Israel, is it because the the Israelites are awesome? And the answer is no. We have to understand what the Bible teaches. Turn with me really quick to Deuteronomy chapter nine, a little refresher course. We haven't, it hasn't been too long since we're in Deuteronomy nine, but Moses Moses, he says, you know, remember the the writer of the five books, the Torah, inspired of the Lord. And he says, and in obedience to the Lord, he wrote it down. And we have here in Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse four, Moses, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you. This is for the second generation that's going into the promised land. And this is when they get into that land, when they reach that land. And he says in verse four, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you saying, because of my righteousness, you see, which is prideful. Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me into the, into has brought me in to possess the land. And Moses is saying, don't think that way. It is not because you guys are awesome. He says this, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. You see now, remember what happened. The Lord made himself known. Yes, Egypt bear the brunt of, bore the brunt of that. But to the surrounding nations, they saw. Remember Egypt. Pharaoh was God on earth. At that time, Pharaoh would refer to himself as God on earth. Now, Pharaoh's prior acknowledged the Lord. Now you have grace and mercy, which came to Egypt through Joseph, the vessel Joseph. But the Lord showed his grace to Egypt and he saved Egypt through the famine, through his vessel that he used, which was Joseph. You see? And so when Egypt forgot the Lord. All of a sudden you see Egypt forget the Lord and you see the bad, nasty fruit that is a result of that. You see the uh, Israel being placed into bondage and you see their slavery. 
And then when he makes himself known again, the Lord, when God makes himself known, a generation has forgotten him. And then you see several camps. You see Israel. And according to the promises of Abraham, the Lord makes himself known and you start to see prophecy being fulfilled. And it's beautiful. It's powerful. I mean, it's sobering too because, I mean, you see it's judgment. You see the wrath of God as well. And so what happens is that the Lord made himself known through plagues. Remember, all of Egypt, they, you know, all of Egypt was on board with Pharaoh. You know, we're not going to let you guys go. You know, we're not going to let you go. Remember uh, uh, Moses, would, a, a messenger of the Lord, you know, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And all the camp of Egypt, we're not going to let you guys go. And so all of a sudden, the Lord started to show signs. The, the, the water turned blood red. And then the magicians, the priests of Egypt, hey, Pharaoh, don't worry about it. We can do it too. Look, we our gods can do the exact same thing. And it was true. Their gods could do the same thing. They, they're magicians, the priests, the wise guys. Pharaoh, don't worry about it. Look, you know, Moses is saying this about his God and the God of Israel. But look, our gods can do it too. And you see the blood. They did it. There's no denying that their gods had power. But they were not the Almighty. And so you have the entirety of Egypt. Pharaoh, don't let them go. And plague came, plague number one, plague number two, plague number three, and then the hail. And then all of a sudden the priests were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Our gods, they can do the blood. But when it comes to the hail, that's a different story because the God that uh, 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 Moses and Aaron, the God that they speak of, our gods can't do that. And then you see a shift in Egypt where even the priests and the wise guys of Egypt, they started to counsel Pharaoh, attempt to counsel Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, look, our gods can do the blood. That's no big deal. But when it comes to the hail, Pharaoh, <laughs> Pharaoh, pay attention because we can't do that. Our gods can't do that. You see, their gods did have power. But they were not all-powerful. It's very important to understand this. Because a lot of people today are captivated by the power of their gods. And there's no denying that their gods do have power. Just like in Pharaoh's days, you know, God Almighty can do the blood. God Almighty can turn water and blood red. And the gods of Pharaoh can do that too. The gods of Egypt can do that too. But when it comes to the hail, the gods of Egypt can't touch that. And much like today, people believe in their, you know, their Buddhas, their witchcraft, and, you know, their crystals and their Krishnas and whatever they want to believe in, the whole nine yards. And there's no denying the, 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 the power of their gods. But their gods are not the Almighty. There are limitations to those gods. And I don't mean to say like limitations, like, you know, to give uh, validity to those gods. Ultimately, those gods will kill you. It's a trap of Satan. 
He uses that to captivate people. Oh, look, this is powerful. You do the chakras, you do the crystals, you do this, you do the spiritualism, you do this. You... But don't you dare go to Jesus Christ. You see? All these things that we read about, man, we're, we're referencing Deuteronomy 9. I mean, in mentioning this, we're also referencing, you know, Exodus. Straight up Old Testament with application and implication for today. And you might be in a camp that is with the Krishnas, the crystals, the spiritualism, the whatever this, whatever that. And yes, there is power behind those gods. There is power behind that belief system. But understand that is it is demonic and satanic. Why? Because Satan, he'll show you signs and wonders to captivate you. But he never wants you to come to Jesus Christ. Never. Why? Because he knows that in Christ you are safe. And he doesn't want that. He knows that he's going to burn in hell. And he wants to take you with him. Now, if you're listening, and that is you. And you are caught up in the Krishnas, the crystals, and you know all kinds of Buddhas, and the Marys, and all kinds of different things. Repent. God loves you. God loves you. Hit pause and listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Don't be like Pharaoh who hardened his heart and did not heed the counsel of his wise guys and priests. Because they said, Pharaoh, look, we can do the blood. But the hail, uh, there's something to what Aaron and, 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 and Moses are saying. There's something to this God they speak of. And then the Lord made himself known through more plagues. More plagues. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't just the priests that were telling Pharaoh. It was everybody around Pharaoh was like, Pharaoh, listen, let them go. Let them go. Their God, he's no joke. He's not playing around. You see? But Pharaoh hardened his heart. And when you read the Bible and understand what the Bible teaches, understand Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and as a form of judgment, God hardened his heart. You see? And that's what's going to happen in the last days. People's hearts will be rock hard. Solid rock hard. But it's not without warning. It's not without this clarion call of God that he loves you. And the urging to repent. Because all these other gods, which are vast and many, even the ones who call themselves Christ, many Christs in the last days, they all fail. All of them. In this life, definitely in the life to come. It's a trap. But the real Jesus and the word became flesh, he saves and that's where God wants you to be. Abiding in the real Jesus. And he loves you. But he doesn't make robots. You have to make the choice. And respond to his love. And respond to his love in a good way. People respond to his love in a bad way and say, no thank you. 
thus fulfilling what the Bible says. Light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. Don't be that way. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. And I don't mean to like scare you. People get mad all, you know, don't scare people into heaven. Don't scare people to Jesus Christ. Well, it worked wonders for me. When I read the Bible the first time and Matthew, the book of Matthew for the first time, I was terrified. And as a former Catholic, I was terrified. It worked wonders for me. There are terrifying aspects to truth. And the only safety is in Jesus Christ. And so the Lord made himself known. Remember, Egypt was like the mighty on earth. And Pharaoh was referred to on earth as God Almighty. And all the surrounding peoples, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Moabites, they saw. They saw. Because when the Israel, when the Jews were uh, uh, in, in bondage, they saw, whoa, don't mess with Egypt. Don't mess with Egypt because Pharaoh's God on earth and they are one powerful people, one powerful nation. Chariots, armor, weaponry, warriors, all these fighters, all, you know, they saw it. They, you know what? We're not going to mess with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, whatever you want, we're going to do as a people, as the Hittites, we're going to, whatever you command, we're going to do because, you know, we subjugate ourselves to you because we know if we don't, you're going to kill us. But then when Israel, the Jews, were freed by their God, God Almighty, all of a sudden, the people saw the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Hittites. They saw. And they thought, whoa, you know what? We're not going to mess with Pharaoh because he's going to mess us up if we don't. Now, all of a sudden, they see little tiny Egypt, a little pipsqueak. The God of Israel made himself known. That's why you see provisions in the law for Gentiles, non-Jews, to be grafted into the camp of Israel. People who just jump ship. They said, well, I'm Canaanite, but I'm jumping ship because, you know, we believed our gods and we believed whatever gods of the Canaanites, the Baals, the Asterid, the, 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 the Moleks, or whatever. We believe those gods. And we were subjecting ourselves to Egypt because their gods and Pharaoh, whoa, they were like, don't mess with these guys. But then when God Almighty, what he did to Pharaoh, making himself known, whoa, we are definitely not going to mess with the, the asterisks and the bales anymore, the Molex anymore. We're jumping ship. You see, and then they go to the camp of Israel and there's laws, provisions, statutes, provisions in the law. For those people, Gentiles, non-Jews, to be grafted into Israel. You see it in Jethro. Jethro, a, a, a priest of Midian, grafted into the camp of Israel and gave counsel to Moses, his father-in-law. It's beautiful. Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites, everybody, every. Denial of the old ways and complete and total reliance upon the God of Israel. This is for non-Jews. 
statutes in the law for Gentiles to be welcomed into the camp. Not just like, okay, you know, you can hear you're over here and, you know, yeah, we're in the camp of Israel. We're God's people. And so, yeah, you know, we have this little section over here. It's a couple miles down the road. And yeah, you can be with us, but it's just a couple miles down the road. No, that's not what the law says. The law teaches welcome the Gentiles. Because it's hardcore. The Lord knows it's hardcore to deny those things. To deny the bales, to deny the asterisks, to deny the molex, to deny the whatevers. The Lord knows that it's hardcore and he welcomes people to, who do such things. Old Testament and New Testament and even today. And that might be you. You might have a complete and total reliance on Mary. And the Lord knows that it's hardcore for you to say, hey Mary, bye bye. I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. You see? Hey, Buddha, bye-bye. I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. Hey, Krishna, bye-bye. I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. The Lord knows. And you are welcomed into the camp of God. You see? But you have to repent. You have to be a Christian. You have to come to the door, you see, capital D, his name is Jesus Christ. And if that is you, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then we learn, we grow, we study, we get equipped. It's not just study to know. It's study to know, which is a gift of the spirit. You know, knowledge of the word of God is a gift of the spirit, but to apply to live lives that please the Lord. So there's provisions in the law for people to be grafted into the camp of Israel. But I mean, uh, Balaam is another example. Believed in the Lord, had intimacy with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. And when he was a cardinal, the Lord spoke to him through the donkey. The, do the donkey spoke, gave warning to him. But then all of a sudden, uh, Balaam, he didn't, uh, he, he didn't stay with the Lord. He left the Lord and gave counsel to Balak on how to defeat Israel. And then you see the downfall of Balaam. An Old Testament example of the falsity of one saved, always saved. No, biblically speaking, it's one saved, stay saved. Unbiblical is one saved, always saved. Biblical, once saved, once saved, stay saved. You see? And so what happens? Provisions in the law for non-Jews, non-Israelites, Gentiles, Jebusites, Hittites, Hivites, Canaanites to come into the camp of Israel. And that does happen. But what about the ones who don't. What about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Moabites, who don't deny the Baals and the Asherahs and the Moleks? What about them? What happens to them? When grace and mercy was shown to them as the Lord revealed himself through Moses, but then at the same time, who was on the receiving end of those plagues was Egypt. And now that Egypt is little, little pipsqueak Egypt, and now that the Lord has made himself known, you have 
Gentiles, non-Jews who say, okay, um, you know, bye-bye, Baal. Bye-bye, Molech. I'm out of here. I'm jumping ship. Why? Because whew, I don't want to mess with the God, of, the God of Israel. He is almighty. Absolutely. Yeah, you have your power. You could do this. You could do that. And yeah, I did worship you. But whoa, no more. No more. Because the God of Israel, there is none higher than him. So Baal, bye-bye. Molech, bye-bye. That's Old Testament. Today, Mary, bye-bye. Buddha, bye-bye. You see? But that's a choice you have to make. And I urge you to. And I don't urge you to like, you know, like, you know, hey, you got, I'm forcing you to do it. That's a choice that you have to make. It's a very, very personal choice. But I urge you to because I love you. But I urge you to in obedience to God. In obedience to Jesus Christ. He says, hey, tell the people. And so here we are. I'm telling you. Come on board. I like to say, get in the ark. You see, jump ship, get in the ark. You're on the ship of Mary, jump ship. That's for Catholics. I tell you this as a former Catholic. Catholicism is not biblical Christianity. People say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I go to you know midnight mass. That's not Christianity, my friend. If you're Catholic and you believe in Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus Christ, you have to jump ship. You're Mormon. You say, oh yeah, I'm Christian. No, you have to jump ship. J-Dub, Jehovah's Witness, you have to jump ship. People say Christianity has like a blanket statement on like anybody who proclaims the name of Jesus Christ, but there are many Christs. There's only one real Jesus Christ. Only one real Messiah. Redeemer of Israel. And Gentiles are grafted in. You see, the branch doesn't support the root. A lot of Christians, they, you know, oh, replacement theology, they get on a little high horse. Get off that horse. The branch doesn't support the root. It's the other way around. John Piper needs to read his Bible. Gospel Coalition, you know, somebody needs to teach them the Bible. You see, for my Jewish friends whom I love, plenty reason for you to be cautious with Christians. A lot of anti-Semitism. But it's in accordance to the Antichrist spirit, which is going to grow even more powerful in the last days. And you see it happening, even among Christians. But it's a sign of the times. Apostasy. You see? The last day's church is either false, apostate, entering apostasy, or it is true. You see? So for my Jewish friends, if you separate those, those camps of the church of Christians, and, and equal distribution, that means 75% of Christians are in crazy town. 75% of Christians are potentially, I mean, potentially dangerous, but you know, some of them very dangerous for you. In terms of eternity, absolutely very dangerous for you. But in terms of anti-Semitism, hatred of Jews, and even the uh, 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 the killing of Jews in accordance to what, prophetically speaking, what's going to happen in the last days, the Antichrist killing Jews and Christians, a small minority of Christians, the remnant, 
of the church, just as there was a remnant of Israel, it is safe. Is the Messiah. A people who are abiding in the Messiah. You say, oh, you Christians, you're crazy. You say you know the Messiah, you're crazy. You say you have intimacy with the Messiah and you want us to believe in that Messiah. But no, we know what the Torah teaches. We know what, you know, uh, uh, Talmud teaches. But let me tell you something. Zafnath Panea had a Gentile wife who knew him intimately before his own biological brothers knew him. You see? And such is the case for such a time as this, my Jewish friend whom I love. So you have in the Old Testament Canaanites, Jebusites, Hittites, Hivites, Moabites, they say, bye-bye, Baal. They say, bye-bye, Molech. I'm out of here. I don't know about you. You know, bye-bye, mom and dad, mom and dad. Oh, no, no, we got to worship the Baal. Don't go, son. Don't go, baby girl. Don't do this. Baby girl, like, bye-bye. I'm out of here. Son, bye-bye. You don't, you, you saw what I saw, mom. You saw what I saw, dad. You saw what I saw, uncle, auntie. Grandpa, Grandmama, you saw what I saw. And if you want to keep worshiping the Baals, look, that's that's on you. If you want to keep doing your Molech and your Baal and your Astrid, that's on you. But as for me, I'm out. I'm jumping ship. I'm going to the door of the camp of Israel, to the door. You see? And provisions in the law for the Jews, for Israel, to not shun these people, to welcome them in. You're one of us. You see? You can partake of these things, the offerings, the festivals, the feasts. It's for you too. So what about what happens to Grandmama and Mama and Papa, they're still doing their Moleks. You know, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites. They were shown grace. They were shown mercy. They were shown love. Even historically speaking, even those peoples were saved through the famine of Egypt. But in the course of time, the people forgot. What happens to them? And that's what we see in Deuteronomy 9. You see? He's Moses, a messenger, a servant of the Lord, is not saying, look, it's not because you're awesome, Israelites. It's not because of your righteousness, Israelites. Don't think, he says in verse 4, in, in Deuteronomy 9, verse 4, do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you, you see, but they had a chance. Love, mercy, and grace was shown to them. But yet, how did they respond? The exact same way people respond today, that light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. The exact 
same way. You say, wait a second, I don't do the bales, I don't do the molex, I don't do the, the asterisks. And I say to you, oh contraire. Oh contraire. You do the Marys, you do the Buddhas, you do the Krishnas. What's the difference? If the ultimate if, if the ultimate end game is burning in hell, what's the difference? Jump ship, my friend. Believe in Jesus Christ. Receive him as Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, hit pause. And do exactly that. God loves you. He says in verse 5, still in Deuteronomy 9, he says, It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see? The fullness of sin. And when the Lord knows, and he knows the fullness of sin even today, the fullness of sin, and then all of a sudden, it's, okay. Just like 70 weeks are decreed, the Lord knows. The 70th week of Daniel, he knows. And in so knowing, there's opportunity for you and me to repent and abide in him. Old Testament, New Testament. He never changes. Old Testament, New Testament, people have to jump ship and believe in God. You see? Now, Old Testament, New Testament, people who have jumped ship and believe in God, now they have to stay in God. Remember, he doesn't make robots. Continuing, still in chapter 9, we see in verse 6, Therefore therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess, Because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. You see, the hardness of heart. You guys are stiff-necked. That's what he's telling Israel. Remember, this is the law. This is the law. There is only one who gives a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind. And his name is Jesus Christ. You see? It is entirely possible to be stiff-necked. It is entirely possible to be stiff-necked no more. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. Remember in verse 7. Remember exclamation point. Remember, remember, remember. Remember, this is to the second generation. First generation, dead. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Remember, Old Testament, New Testament, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. He chastises those whom he loves. And so a lot of times people think, okay, you know, you know, Israel is in a, on a high horse. Uh, Christians, they're on a high horse, which can happen. You, me, Jews, among the Jews, among the Gentiles, we get off the high horse. Humility of heart. Remember, it's the meek which shall inherit the earth. The meek. 
Not the prideful and the arrogant, the meek. And so we continue our study in Deuteronomy 19. In verse 1, when the Lord your God has, Deuteronomy 19 verse 1, when the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses. You see, now, biblically speaking, uh, peoples and nations, they get taken over when God is forgotten. But then they get restored when God is remembered. We're going to see the ups and downs of Israel in the Old Testament. I mean, look at Egypt. Look at how Egypt was threatened by famine. Egypt it was threatened by famine to become weaker and weaker and weaker, weaker, weaker to the point of death in the threat of the famine. But when God was remembered, when God was acknowledged, you see that famine, that they were uh, saved from the famine through Joseph, through the vessel Joseph. But then what happened when God was forgotten? And you see how ugly the land became. You see? You're going to see it in Israel. When God is remembered by a king or by a prophet or by a priest, you're going to see good things for Israel, good things for the people. But when the opposite happens and God is forgotten or he is mocked or he is not honored, you're going to see the impact of those choices on Israel, on regions, on peoples. Remember, God responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. God is responsive. In a lot of ways, the ball's in our court. The ball's in your court. When a person knows truth, how do they respond to truth? You're not a believer. How do you respond to truth? You repent and you believe in Jesus Christ. You are a believer. How do you respond to truth? You obey Jesus Christ. You see? I mean, that's how I encourage all of us, myself included, to respond to truth. We're in the same boat. But if a person decides to disobey, don't be surprised when the Lord chastises. And disobedience upon disobedience, which begets more disobedience, which begets more disobedience, you see the hardening of a heart. Don't be surprised when God judges. The wrath of God falling on individuals. Listen to our study through Romans 1. You see? But nations who forget the Lord, you see the filth get worse and worse. And usually what happens is those nations get taken over. It's a form of judgment. I teach from America, just so you know. I teach from the United States. You see, people say one nation under God. They say that. But is it really the case? What happens when a nation forgets the Lord? You see, it becomes a cesspool. You see it happening in Western cultures. But historically speaking, biblically and historically speaking, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what happens to nations that forget the Lord. 
It's the biblical model. But yet there's light in Goshen. He says this in verse 2. You shall separate, which is to make a distinction. This distinction is required. And this distinction, you shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, these three cities are cities of refuge. There's a purpose behind this separation. You shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself. Very interesting. The roads just don't magically appear. He says, you shall prepare roads for yourself. In other words, this second generation, they have to work. They have to make the roads. You see? And I say that because a lot of times people just think like, you know, it's by osmosis. You know, we lay a Bible on our on our forehead. We lay a Bible on our head. And by osmosis, all of a sudden the word just absorbs inside of us. It doesn't work that way. Obedience is required. It's not working for salvation. But it's, you know, faith and works, they're inseparable. You know, someone will say, hey, I show you my faith. I'll show you my works. The two are inseparable. Remember Brother James chapter 2? He says, I will show you my faith by my works, by my obedience. Remember, faith and works equates to belief and obedience. Because when Brother James mentions, he gives the example through Abraham and Isaac. Well, you read the passage, Abraham and Isaac in Genesis. And what do you see? 100% obedience to the word of the Lord. You see, Abraham, here I am. You see? People think faith and works. Oh, I don't have to knock on doors. I don't have to get a hundred, a hundred converts and I can go to heaven. No, it doesn't work that way. That's, that's thinking you have to work, work for your salvation. But there is obedience required. Brother James says the two are inseparable faith and works. Because you can say, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's go get drunk. I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's go get baked. I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the strippers. I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's cook spoons. No, it doesn't work that way. You have faith. But where's the obedience? You see? Because even the demons believe. But do they obey Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. You see? For you and me, we believe in Jesus Christ. And we don't read the Bible as a book of suggestions. Even though many do. Even many professing Christians, many do. But I'm not, the Lord didn't call me to speak to the dead. I speak to the living. I speak to you. We obey Jesus Christ, the word of the Lord. The word became flesh. Very interesting how we see these Old Testament passages which have very deep meaning for the new covenant believer. Remember, we study the Old Testament, the Torah, the prophets, the minor prophets. We study these things on the rock of salvation with binoculars to look way back in history to understand. We we don't leave that rock of salvation and go back to the law. That's what the Galatians did. And Paul says, that I labor for you in vain. Do you not hear the law? If righteousness could come to the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's what Paul says. I'm just the messenger. 
We make these distinctions. And yet, in these cities of refuge, in this, in, 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 in the promised land, these cities of refuge, Israel, they have to work and make these roads. You see? They have to obey what the Lord says and make these roads. You and me, we have to obey what the Lord says and what he teaches in accordance to the new covenant. Not in accordance to the old covenant. In accordance to the new covenant. And obey what the Lord teaches us. You see? It's powerful. Faith and works, the two are inseparable. He says in verse uh, 2, You shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of your uh, of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourselves and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God is, is giving you to inherit, that any manslayer may flee there. Manslayer is a killer and a murderer. Killer and or murderer. So what's the difference? Well, say, for example, you and me. You and me were building a house. And, you know, I'm on the ground level and I'm like painting a wall. I'm painting the outside wall. And you're on the roof and you're putting like, you know, big stones on the roof. You're building like a second level or whatever. Big rocks. And all of a sudden you like, you know, you're doing your tools and everything is nice and neat. And I'm outside, you know, we're just whistling away and having a great time. Good fellowship. But then all of a sudden, you know, you pick up a stone, you drop it. And instead of it dropping and staying there, it drops and it rolls. It starts to roll, roll, roll and tumble and it falls off the roof and boom, I'm killed instantly. I'm dead. Are you a murderer? You killed me. But are you a murderer? The answer is no. You did kill me. But it was an accident. You see? And these cities of refuge are specifically for this purpose, that the manslayer may flee there. Now, the manslayer, there's different meanings for it. It can be killer or a murderer. But in this situation that I gave, remember, we're just having a a great time. We're we're working on a house. I'm on the outside. I'm painting. It was an accident. You, You move the rock. You set it down. And instead of staying there, you set it down and it rolled And there I was, painting away, whistling. We were in harmony, and it was just beautiful. And then all of a sudden, no longer in harmony, you're whistling alone. You look over. Whoa, it was an accident. It's a city of refuge. Now, this is what was already taught in Numbers 35. We studied this. But this is a little refresher. For us, but then also for the second generation. Hey guys, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Moses is telling the second generation, remember, remember, remember. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Now, it's beautiful, but you know what happens very shortly into the future? They forget. You see? And so he says in verse 4, and this is the case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live, you see? So like that example I gave, you know, we're whistling in the sweet harmony. It's beautiful harmony. You know, you got the highs, I got the lows, or you got the lows and I got the highs, and it's just it sounds so beautiful. The birds even join in with us. 
The squirrels even join in with us. The rabbits, they thump on the ground and they have the beat for us. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful harmony. All of a sudden, you know, you put the rock down, the big stone down, it rolls and you're singing solo. What do you do? Now, my family, my brothers, they're going to think you killed him. So now, in accordance to the law, we're going to kill you. You killed him, we kill you. But these cities of refuge, you would say, wait, it's an accident. It's an accident. Now my family's going to be mad. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be mad. You killed him. You killed him. So now we're going to kill you. Look, you dropped the stone on him. Now we're going to drop a stone on you. But these cities of refuge are for you to go. One of three. These, and you know, the, the cities of refuge, there's going to be, as, as they, as Israel multiplies, as it grows, there's going to be more cities of refuge. It doesn't stay three. So you accidentally, you didn't murder me. That would be another story. That would be a different, you know, if, if you, you know, walked up with the stone and you saw me and then you slammed the stone down and, you know, splat and I'm, you know, say goodnight. That's murder. But when it's an accident, there's these cities of refuge. You go there. Now, my family, they're still going to be mad. They're still going to want to kill you. But you stay there for a couple months, a couple years. Everything dies down, you know. They, the, the anger just, it, it calms. Now, my family's still hurt. They've buried me. I'm, you know, returned to the dust. They're calm. You've been away. Yeah, they wanted to kill you on, you know, the day it happened. They wanted to kill you. A week after it happened, they wanted to kill you. It was an accident. You're in the city of refuge. A couple years later, it's okay for you to come back now. Why? Because they're not angry. They understand that. It was just an accident. You see? It's okay. I don't want to kill you anymore. It was an accident. We miss him. He's returned to the dust, but let's move on. You see? And it's safe for you. It wasn't safe for you when it was fresh. But now that it's died over, I shouldn't say died over, you know what I mean, when it's calmed, it's safe for you. See, the Lord gives him these blueprints to follow. Because he loves them. He loves us. He gives us these blueprints to follow. Because he loves. He's not going to lead us into harm's way. It's not the Lord to say, hey, you know, I'll, you know, uh, lead us into harm's way. No, he doesn't work that way. He loves us. He leads you and me to safety. Now, it is true that Christians get called into harm's way. But with that is maturity. When you see Christians called into harm's way, these are Christians that, like Paul, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That, that comes with maturity. But remember when Paul was, you know, inspired of the Spirit and when he was teaching uh, uh, the Corinthian saints, you guys are like kings. We're the scum of the earth. We're like trash. He's speaking of Paul and his bubble, his entourage. Us, we're like trash. You, you guys are like kings. 
Why? Because the saints were babies. They were the field. Paul, his entourage, they were the workers. Now, people in the field can become workers, and the Lord must do that calling. The Lord must do that moving. And when the Lord does that moving, precursory to that is a person doing his or her dying, carrying their cross, reckoning the old man dead. And when a person, that's like when I say worker to field, that's like pew to pulpit. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Lord is calling you to pastoral ministry. But when I say that, I'm speaking of ministry. That's pew to pulpit. Now, you can be male in regards to a field to worker. You can be male or female. But when it comes to pastoral ministry or elder ministry, 100% always male. Always. Biblical coverings are always male. Pew to pulpit. If the Lord calls a soul into that capacity, ministry capacity, precursory to that is crucifixion of that soul. And I speak spiritually. I'm not saying, you know, go kill yourself. I'm speaking supernaturally, being crucified with Christ. And when a person is crucified with Christ, then they enter the ministry. And they so a person can go from uh, 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 non-field to field. That's becoming a believer. And then all of a sudden, field to worker. You see? That's when ministry happens. But precursory to a Lord, the Lord calling is that person dying. Crucifixion. Carrying the cross. Their cross. Reckoning the old man dead. Reckoning the old woman dead. And then the Lord says, that's my guy. That's my gal. We have Christians today that don't understand this because they don't have teachers. They don't have pastors. They might have the title of teacher, the title of pastor, but they don't they don't teach biblically. You have people in the pews who say, you know what? The Lord is calling me to be a pastor. They enter the pastoral ministry, but there's no crucifixion. You see? And only the crucified can correct. And when you see that, you also see something else. No power. It's more of a prideful and arrogant thing. If you're a pew Christian and you want to be in ministry, that's beautiful. It's very beautiful. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you must reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead. You must be crucified with Christ. Because when you're crucified with Christ, you'll have eyes to see and ears to hear. And when you have ears to hear, you just might hear the voice of the Lord that says, Hey, you're my guy. You're my gal. And don't forget, you go from field to worker, but it is entirely possible for worker to go from worker to hell. (laughs) And I don't want to scare you in, in saying that, but let not many be teachers. Brother James says that. Let not many be teachers because it's it's heavy. It's very heavy. And in one sense, I don't want to scare you in saying that. But in another sense, I do want to scare you in saying that. Because we can have a healthy fear of the Lord in making sure that sound doctrine is taught. If the Lord is calling you into ministry. 
You see? Don't be discouraged if you're a pew Christian that you're going to stay a pew Christian. Be encouraged. And when that level of maturity happens, the Lord might call a person into harm's way. It's not to call a person into harm's way for nothing. It's because there's fish there. And that person who is a vessel of the Lord being called has a different mindset. To live is Christ, to die is gain. See? A lot of times people have a martyr complex. Christians. Oh, look, the Lord is calling me into harm's way. The Lord is calling me into harm's way. Why would he do such a thing? Why would he do such a thing? Why? You're right. Why is he? That's not the Lord. The ones that the Lord calls, biblically speaking, the ones whom the Lord calls into harm's way. That's You have people like Peter, like Paul, like John. They don't mind it dying. You know why? They're dead already. A lot of times, Christians have the formula wrong. Why? Because they don't have a teacher. Oh, I got a teacher. I got my pastor. Look, he's got his doctorate. That's nice. Does it align with the Bible? It's very important to understand and also understand the times. It's getting very dangerous to be a Christian. I mean, before 10 years ago, we could say it's dangerous to be a Christian in this land, in this area. But I teach from America and it's being, it's getting dangerous to be a Christian even in America and it's growing. You see, and even among the church. Oh, what are you talking about? I go grave soaking and you want to judge me? Oh, get out of my face. Okay. You see? And in this, I'll say dispensation, we have to understand the times. And what the Bible teaches about the last days. You see? You say, well, the Lord doesn't call people into harm's way. Now, Yes, biblically speaking, yes. But then at the same time, when we understand the times, harm's way is coming to us. One of many signs of the times. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. And so we see this concept that is being taught a little refresher because the concept has already been taught. i shouldn't say the concept but the statute has already been given this rule for the manslayer it was an accident remember you you placed this stone down you didn't mean for it to roll but it rolled we were whistling duo but now you're whistling solo but it's safe for you in this city of refuge where it's safe for you And so we see here in verse 4, And this is the case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live, whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally. It translates as kills his neighbor ignorantly and without knowledge. It it was was an accident. Not having hated him in times past. You see now, in, in time past. So 
what would be different is, you know, I'm painting, you know, I'm doing my brush strokes up and down. You look over the, the roof and you see me and I don't see you because I'm looking at the wall. I'm looking at the, the side of the, 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 the house. We're whistling and all of a sudden you say, you know what? I hate this guy. He thinks that we're best friends. We're a duo, but man, I hate this guy so much. You pick up the stone and I'm whistling and you're whistling and then you just hurl the stone down and say goodnight. That's murder. That's hatred. And that's not good. If that were the case, no city of refuge. You know, my family that was mad and they said, okay, you killed him and now we're going to kill you. Using the law, they would be justified. I'm not advocating the law. I'm not saying, hey, you know, you know, uh, this is how things need to be done today. But we must understand the covenants, the rules of the covenants. You see? My family wants to kill you. You kill me. My family wants to kill you. Okay. You made your choice. Now, you know, the law responds. The law that was given of the Lord reacts to your choice to murder. You see? Just as the Lord responds to obedience and disobedience, those who, in in performing the duties of the law, it also responds to obedience and disobedience to the law, to the covenant of the law, understanding the covenant. I'm not advocating the law in saying that. But it is the old covenant. Moses is saying here, not having hated him in times past. So this is, a, this is an accident. In verse 5. He says, as when a man goes to the wood, he gives an example. I gave the example of, you know, you throwing you, the, the stone falls on me. We're painting, you know, the duo now is a solo. But there's a different example here. In verse 5, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber and his axe and his axe head and his axe hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree and the head slips from the handle. And strikes his neighbor so that he dies. You see? He shall flee to one of these cities and live. Because it's an accident. The axe hand, you know, the axe, it, you got to swing hard to, 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 to cut down a tree. You got to swing hard once and twice. And, you know, now we have modern axes. But back in the day, they were like fashioned, you know. Things could break. Each hit upon the tree can damage the, uh, 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 the, the, the integrity of the actual axe. And so axe away, boom, boom, boom. And then on another swing, the thing that axe, the axe separates from the wood and it hits the neighbor in the head and the neighbor is no more. It's an accident. It wasn't intentional at all. There was no hatred. They were best of friends. Activate the city of refuge. You see, provisions in the law for safety. And we see in verse 6, lest the avenger of blood while his anger is hot, like the example I gave earlier. My family is mad at you. They want to kill you. The anger is hot. 
That's what we see here in verse 6. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him. Translate says to reach him. So pursue the manslayer and reach him and lay hold of him because the way is long and kill him. You see, now that's vengeance. Which it opens up a whole new... You see, you look at the Ten Commandments. You remember when we started in, like, in, in, in uh, uh, we looked at, you know, the, the, the law was given three times, and the Ten Commandments was given three times. The first verbally, the second on tablet, the first verbally, which was rejected by the people. Remember, they said, you know, Moses, let not God speak to us. You speak to the Lord, and we'll do what you, we'll do what you say, what he says to you to do, tell us. We're going to do, we'll be obedient to, to the Lord through you, Moses. And that didn't work out. The law, Ten Commandments, rejected by the people. Ten Commandments rejected. The Ten Commandments on the tablets rejected by the people. How? The golden calf. Those two tablets were destroyed. Verbally given, no blood. The first set of Ten Commandments. The second set, given by stone, two tablets, no blood. Rejected by the people. Why? Because they took the golden calf. They chose the golden calf over the two tablets. And then the third set of Ten Commandments. Another set of two tablets. Accepted by the people. I say accepted, but I'm doing my air quotes. Accepted by the people, but not without blood. You see? Blood was the atoning Mechanism, I'll say mechanism for a reason. Blood is the atoning mechanism which effectuates the law or rightness with the law because life is in the blood. Remember, life for life in accordance to the law. Three sets of Ten Commandments given. The first two rejected. The last accepted but with blood, not without blood. A lot of times I talk to people in the Hebrew Roots Movement and they say, Horeb, Horeb, Horeb. Mount Horeb, Mount Horeb, so beautiful. Mount Horeb is where it was rejected. See? Don't forget the blood. Not without blood. Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, Lamb of God, Son of God, Lamb of God, Son of David, Messiah. Not without blood. See? So in the example we gave earlier, you you accidentally kill me. I'm painting in the stone falls and it's an accident. Now, if you're on the road to the city of refuge and, you know, make haste, you know, go there quickly because if my family can walk or run or ride horses faster than you, you're in trouble. You see? So get there quickly. Because if they overtake you and kill you, you see what happens? That's why you have the, these like substatutes of laws. But originally, there was only 10. I shouldn't say originally there was only 10. You go back further, there was only one. I mean, you go back even further, I mean, I mean, I, I, okay, so I say that, you know, go back further. There was only one, which is, is circumcision. 
But you go back even further, and there was still only one is, and don't eat the fruit from the, the fruit of the forbidden, uh, the forbidden fruit. But then you see, so law, which begets law, which begets more law, which begets more law, and then you have statutes, which begets more statutes and substatutes and all these things. Because what if my family, you were innocent, and my family caught you, you were like, you know, Walking when you should have been like trotting or running or you know, getting on the uh, Arabian horse and get there as quickly as you can. But you didn't do that. You were walking to the city of refuge. Everything is kosher in obedience to the law. But then all of a sudden, my family catches you and they kill you. Now, because you were innocent, it was an accident. Now, new statutes come into play for this situation where my family killed you. You see, and then you have the, an example of statutes, which we get statutes, which we get statutes. And I mean, look at the laws today. We're in, you know, that the day of this recording, you know, 2021. Look at all the stuff. And I teach from America. Some countries have more. But look at all the laws we have in the books today. Statutes, which we get statutes, which we get statutes. But you hit the rewind button when it comes to the law. There was only 10. You hit the rewind button further. There was only one circumcision. You hit the rewind button even further. Don't eat the fruit. What do people do? Eat the fruit. Wow. Now the Lord responds. Okay. Get circumcised. Eight day circumcision. That was the law that Moses almost broke. But his beautiful wife Zipporah. You see. Ten commandments given. Rejected. Ten commandments given again. The tablets. Rejected. Ten commandments given again. With blood. Now you have the blood, a means by which people can be right to the law and with the law and with the Lord. But then through disobedience, okay, here's a new situation. Okay, here's a new statute. And you have statutes, you get statutes and more substatutes. And But Jesus Christ, when he was asked, which is the, which is the greatest law? He says, love God, love people. On these hang all the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. Remember the we studied this? It just so happens we studied this on Sunday. The first law, you know, the exhortation to children. The uh, the, the the first law, which is, you know, like uh, to engage. The first law to engage, you have laws which pertain to you and the Lord, but then you have other laws which pertain to you and to people. Now you understand why the Lord, the fulfillment of the law, why the Lord Jesus Christ says, love God, love people. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. That's the formula. I mean, there's a basic formula, but there's more formula. There's much more to the formula, but that's very basic. Love God, love people. Not love people and love God. Always love God first. And then love people. And you have like the errors of the Episcopals, the Methodists, modern day. Oh, we love people. We love God. But wow, we really love people. Yeah, God is, you know, good to go with God. But wow, we really love people. So you know what? If you want to do this, we love you. Look, the Bible says, love God, love people. And we're just loving you. So we're going to allow you to do this, 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 this. And then you have abominations in the fellowship. Apostasy. But when God is first... Yes, we love you, but you know, you have to repent. We love you, but this isn't good. You have to repent. We love you, but 
Why? Because the Lord says. Because God is number one. But when God is number two, not good, that's not the right formula. You see? So we see this in verse 6. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and kill him, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated the victim in time past. Remember, it was an accident. The axe handle, the accident. It separated. I was just hitting the as hard as I could because it was a big, big tree trunk. And as hard as I could, I was, you know, boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, it just felt like paperweight. It was super light. It wasn't even heavy. But then I realized that what happened, I see the guy fall. And my friend, he's my, my best friend. He falls to the ground. I see the thing in his head. And what happened? It was an accident. Completely different. And if the guy took the axe with hatred in his heart and instead of hitting the tree, started hitting the guy, hitting his friend, so-called friend, because that's hatred. It's a matter of the heart. That is no longer an accident. That is what is called murder. You see? Murder. We make these distinctions. And so we see in verse 7, Therefore, I command you, saying, You shall separate three cities for yourself. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, and we see this happen. And very interesting, when we see this, when we get to the minor prophets, you're going to see the, 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 the nation of Israel grow, grow. Their boundaries are growing. And you think like, wow, they're blessed, blessed of the Lord. And yes, blessed of the Lord. But that is a result of the honoring of the Lord in previous generations. And then in those generations, when we get to the minor prophets, you're going to see, when we get to the current generations, you're going to see them forget the Lord. See? That's what you see. But you see it in the church today. Mom and dad love the Lord. They fear the Lord. They teach their kids the Lord. But then the kids grow up, they go to college, they do whatever, they leave the home. And I'm in a strong advocate of leaving the home as soon as you can to my young brothers and sisters as soon as you can, legally. You know, that, that's just my perspective. You know, just to move on with life, move on with growing up, laying aside those things which so easily ensnare you and come on, let's move on. Let's grow, let's mature. A lot of parents have a hard time doing that because they want to shelter their kids from everything. But in sheltering their kids, parents, you do a lot of harm. You cause a lot of harm. Kids are not equipped. And when they're not equipped and they go out in certain dangerous environments, they're in trouble. Why? Because mommy and daddy wanted to protect them. You see? That's what happened in the Old Testament. That's what happened. Remember Numbers? Oh, we don't want to go into Canaan. Look, we want our, our kids to be nice and safe. Look, it's, it's going to be harmful for our kids. So, you know, I know the Lord is calling us to Canaan and he wants us to go and fight. But you know what? We're not going to do that. And so the Lord says, okay. Because you didn't understand that your greatest safety was with me. Because you didn't understand that your greatest safety for your kids was with me. Now, you guys, the adults, you parents, you wanted your kids safe and your kids are safe with me. But as for you, you're dead. That's what the Lord says. When you read the Old Testament, you start to understand these things, the character of the Lord and how he works. 
A lot of Christians today, oh, I don't want to read the Old Testament. They're like, it's too, too much vengeance there. Too much wrath in the Old Testament. There's wrath today. Read Romans 1. There's wrath today. It might not appear as what you see in the Old Testament, but there's wrath today. See? And so we see here in verse 7, Therefore I command you, saying, You shall separate three cities for yourself. Now if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give you your fathers. Remember, the Lord responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. He says, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourselves besides these three. So added safeguards for mercy and grace and love. You see, even when death happens, even when killing happens, there's these safeguards. So, you know, yes, this guy killed this other guy, but was it an accident or was it murder? And provisions in the law, remember our study through Numbers? Now you activate the elders, which if there's corruption, it's very dangerous because a rich guy can murder and then, you know, go into a city of refuge and be like, look, I'm just doing what the law says. The judge comes and says, okay, the judges come and they say, okay, we're going to assess the situation. Now, if they're corrupt, the rich guy, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll bankroll this. Here's some money. And then the judges say, okay, he's he's innocent. It was an accident when it was really murder. Then you start to see the if effect of this corruption. And you see, we're going to see it. We're going to see it in the Bible. But we see it today. Rich guys commit murder. Pay the cops. Pay the judge. Corrupt judges. Corrupt cops. Corrupt judicial system. We see it. I mean... I don't want to get into detail, but we see it. You don't need me to tell you. You see it. The fat get, fat cats. They get away with murder, literally. I mean, we see it. And yet, remember the exhortation of Moses. He's an old man. And he's telling this younger generation, stay clean, you guys. No corruption. Because some of you are going to become judges. Some of you are going to become priests. Some of you are going to be kohanim. No corruption. And if there's no corruption, everything's going to be fine. Everything will be kosher for you, your soul, for Israel, for your homes, for your families, for your kids, for your marriages. Everything's going to be beautiful. But you got to stay pure. Now, righteousness, as New Covenant believers, we know that righteousness righteousness doesn't come through the law. But in obedience to the law, it was accounted to them for righteousness the exact same way it was accounted to Abraham. Obedience. You see? But for us, in the age of the New Covenant, it's not obedience to the law. It's obedience to the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ and fulfillment of the promise, which is, who is Jesus Christ? He says in verse 10, these cities of refuge and 
adding these more cities of refuge as with the expansion of Israel. He's, remember, in verse 8, he says, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory. Because we see Israel grow, but then we also see Israel shrink. You see? I mean, we see the expansion of Israel, but then you also see Babylonian captivity. You see it shrink. Then you see... Uh, Assyrian captivity, well, you see Assyrian and then Babylonian. But then you see Israel grow, you see it shrink. And you see it grow again, then you see it shrink. You see? You say, like, what, what, what is the Lord? Is the Lord playing mind games with Israel? What is he doing? No, that's a carnal approach, which is what the mockers of these last days, you know, how good a God, if God is so good, why does he do this? You read the Old Testament, why does he do it like this? Why does... He responds to obedience. He responds to disobedience. You must understand the formula. A lot of people don't understand the formula. But when you understand the formula, then it becomes clear and more clear and more clear. And not just for the sake of knowing, but for the sake of you and me together, we're in the same boat, obeying Jesus Christ. You see, and walking with Jesus Christ and abiding in Jesus Christ. You see? And so we see here in verse 10, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and thus the and, and thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. You see? And blood will be shed. Absolutely. When Israel goes into the promised land, blood will be shed. But then comes the question, is it innocent or is it guilty? Innocent blood or guilty blood? You say, wait a second. I thought you said we make the distinction between, you know, when there's killing that happens with it being an accident or whether it being murder. Now, absolutely true. We make this distinction whether it's, you know, uh, accidental or murder. Murder has, there's the intent, like premeditated. There's the intent. It speaks of the heart, not the action, the heart, which is hatred. That's why Jesus Christ says, if you hate your brother, you murder them in your heart. You see, we understand these things in the old, straight up Old Testament. But then when Jesus Christ speaks and he says, when you hate your brother, you have murdered them in your heart. Some people, it's over their heads. But when you have this understanding of the law and trusting the law, and I'm not saying that you and me, we trust the law, but understand that in those days, and when Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, the, the people had this, this base plate of the law, or they should have. But when Jesus Christ speaks, when you hate your brother, you murder them in your heart. You see, he goes deeper than what the law can actually do. The law can't penetrate those areas of the heart. But Jesus can. And the people who yield to him, he gives a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind. Given to them by Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law and the promise. You see? And so we make this distinction between, yes, if it's, you know, accidental, accidental death or, you know, murder. You say, a lot of times people say, well, wait a second. Israel goes into these lands and, you know, they kill people. The Jews, they go into these lands and they straight up kill. How can that be a good thing? Well, understand who they are. When they are with the Lord, all of a sudden they become the vessels of the Lord. And it's not because this judgment that comes upon these people. 
which the result is death. The Lord is doing it, but he's using his vessels. Israel. You see? I mean, he does it himself. He, he absolutely does it himself. But then remember when we were studying Exodus and Leviticus, when we, you know, how the Lord says to Israel, Israel, I'm going to take care of, I'll, I'll take care of Egypt. But when it comes to Canaan, you do it. This is your battle. Egypt, I'll take, that's my battle. Canaan, that's on you. Now, you know, the only way you can be successful is when you're with me. So you do it, but you got to be with me. You see, we have to understand the covenant, the formula within the covenants, because as new covenant believer, we look back through the lens of, you know, the, through the lens of the new Testament, the new covenant, standing firmly on the rock of salvation. And it helps us in our walks today. And God never changes. It's not to say that we start to employ the things of the law to our lives. But we understand the rules of the covenant. Then we start to see how the Lord moves, how he works, how he uses his vessels. Because it's a carnal and mocking argument for people to say, Oh, the Jews, you know, look, it says do not murder and they're doing murder. Because we will see instances in the Old Testament and New Testament where murder is committed. But then when we study these things and we understand the covenant, we understand, you know, vessel or no vessel. And we understand, remember in in verse 1, it's not because you're awesome. It's because of wickedness. You see? And when we understand this, we see how the Lord works, how he moves, and the vessels that he uses, the vessels that he chooses. And it's beautiful, scary, fearful. But praise be to the Lord. You know why? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Just like before, you know, we're Canaanites. Okay, you and me, we're Canaanites. We do the Baals, the Moleks, all these things. And then all of a sudden we acknowledge Pharaoh. Oh, he's God on earth. Whatever he says, I'm going to do. Then we see little pipsqueak Pharaoh as a result of the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's like, okay, Pharaoh's little pipsqueak. Egypt, no more. I'm done with Molech. I'm done with, you know, the Baals. I'm done with Molech. I'm done with all that. The asterisk. Let's go to the door of the camp of Israel. You see? The Lord makes himself known. You see? And it's scary. Because I meant, you know, the the, the penalty of going against Baal. The penalty of going against Molech. There's that aspect. The penalty of, you know, our, our, our moms and dads, you know, they want us to stay with Molech. They want us to stay with Baal. But we've made our choice. Like, yeah. The Lord, the God of Israel made himself known and I'm not playing games with it. He's not playing games. I'm not going to play games. So I'm done. I'm jumping ship. I'm out of here. You see? And you and me, we go to the door of the camp of Israel. And we're not seen as a threat. Because in their law that the Lord gave them, the God which destroyed Egypt, judged Egypt, 
gave them rules to say, welcome these people with open arms. You see? And that's how we're treated. Wow, that, I'm, this is like, this is better than we had it in, in, in Canaan. This is better than we had it in Moab. This is better than we had it among the Hittites. It's, I'm like, I, I think they open their hearts to me like I'm family. Then you have this other distinction that is made. A biological family and a heavenly family. And the latter is better. See? It's beautiful. This is straight up Torah. And yet it gives us these deep understandings as new covenant believers. You see? That's why Jesus Christ says, Moses wrote about me. And so we see this in verse 11. But if anyone hates his neighbor, you see, now it's, now we get into murder. It's not an accident. But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him, and strikes him mortally so that he dies. You see? Look at, look at all these, uh, these safeguards that are breached. I mean, in verse 11 at the beginning, if anyone hates his neighbor, there's in the mind, a person could say, okay, I hate my neighbor, but that's not good. I, you know, I, 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 I got to make an offering to the Lord because I hate him, but I don't want to hate him. I hate her, but I don't want to hate her. So I'm going to make an offering to the Lord because my heart's not right before the Lord. You see? But now look what that, that, that safeguard is breached. So now hatred begets something deeper. Now lies in wait for him. Whoa, it's like an ambush. I'm going to kill him. I know he's going to be at this, cross this path at, at noon and I'm going to be here with a knife and I'm going to wait for him. And look, there's even in that, which is bad. Okay. I can't do this. I'm going to make an offering to the Lord because my heart is not right. I want to be right with the Lord. So I, I, I need to make an offering. My heart is wicked before him and I don't want that to be. So now I'm going to make an offering, a sacrifice unto the Lord so that I can be clean. I don't want this filthy heart. You see? So this safeguard is breached. And now you have the actual action rises against him and strikes him mortally. Boom. The action, the deed. And he dies. And flees to one of these cities. So all these safeguards are breached. This is the heart in the law. And yet the heart in the law, these safeguards are breached. Now the deed is done. The rising up, the striking is done. The guy is now dead. The guy in obedience. Now he wants to obey the law. Now he flees to the city. Look, look at all the laws he's already broken. Because remember... In the law, it's carnal application, but with spiritual implication in application. Because remember the law, in doing the law, a person, male or female, learns, learns to trust the Lord. And when a person learns to trust the Lord, a person learns to 
Yes, fear the. I mean, okay, so a person learns to fear the Lord, and in fearing the Lord, learns to trust the Lord, and then learns to love the Lord. You see, and when you get to that point, when those are breached, so to speak, I shouldn't say breached or reached. When those are reached, not breached. When those are reached, now in the heart, man, I hate this guy. Ooh, but that's not right before the Lord. I'm gonna make an offering. I really hate this guy, and I'm gonna wait and ambush at high noon with my knife. Ooh, I don't like that. Why am I doing this? I gotta make offering to the Lord. See, all these safeguards. And because that love of the Lord was never reached, now you have these aspects of verse 11, which are breached. These safeguards are breached. This is, this is deep. This is not deep in the heart, but it impacts the heart and the mind because now it impacts behavior. So from the outward appearance, now look in verse, at the end of verse 11, he flees to one of these cities. Now, so say we're just observers. We're, you know, out there on the field and we're just, you know, having a nice, beautiful conversation and we see a guy booking it to one of the cities of refuge. And we're like, oh man, he must've, you know, maybe there was a death on accident. There was that's not Look, he's, it was an accident. Look how, look how clean his heart is. Look, look, he's being obedient to the Lord. He's following this statute, which says that, you know, the, 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 the those who, who kill, it was just an accident. And there's, he's going to the city of refuge. But the Lord who sees the heart says, no, that guy committed murder. You see, a lot of times people want the outward appearance. They want to appear like they're holy. They want to appear like they're righteous. But when you open up the hood, what do you see? Filth. Not all the time. But the majority of the time. Filth and yuck and nest and all kinds of just, yeah. But before you look at others, look in the mirror. You see? Look in the mirror. Take the plank out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to help another person. Hey, let's open up the hood. And what do you see? Okay, we got to, you know, take out this, you know, the radiator's messed up. Okay, these belts are loose. Let's do this. Let's do this. Close the hood. Okay, boom. You're good to go. And that's obedience with Jesus Christ. You see? And so we see this. When that happens, so look at these safeguards in verse 11 that have been breached. And he flees to one of these cities in verse 12. Then the elders, you know, activate the elders, which Moses says, you can't, don't be corrupt. No corruption. You know, you have to judge righteously. But when corruption enters, you're going to see. We're going to study these things. And then he says in verse 12, Then the elders of his city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. You see, now, this is buttresses our study through Numbers 35 where there's this legal proceeding where the determination of judgment happens. But verse 12 is kind of like a little, you know, this is what happens, but when you re- listen to our study or read Numbers 35, you see it's it's deeper. There's legal proceedings. There's a, a determination and the exhortation of Moses. A, no corruption, guys. And so we see in verse 13, your eyes shall not pity him. Now, this is, this is the guy in verse 11 who breached those safeguards, who hates his neighbor, who has murdered. It wasn't an accident like before in verse 4. Now, it's intentional. 
premeditated. I think I'm gonna kill this guy. And now I'm actually I'm gonna I'm I'm I'm, I'm ambushing him to kill. I thought I thought I should kill him yesterday. And today I'm gonna kill him at high noon. And now it's high noon, our paths have crossed, and I'm actually killing him. Now it's high noon and a minute later and he's dead. You see? So this murder, it's pre, it was premeditated and now it's performed. And in verse 13, your eyes shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel. You see? Innocent blood. A lot of times there are certain passages which aren't repeated over there's a lot of things that there's a repetitive aspects of the bible old testament new testament a lot of repetition but where you see the most repetition is when it comes to um widows orphans and babies that's where you see an innocent blood you see that's where you see a lot of repetition old testament and new testament innocent blood but when it is not innocent blood, the Lord is saying, put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel. Now, remember, this is the law. We must understand that this is the covenant of the law. And this is where Christians get into error. Because their heart, instead of being nice and soft, that nice soft the softest of all jellos, if you remember our study from several weeks ago, instead of being the softest of all jello, their hearts can get hard through these understandings of the old covenant, which is the old covenant. It's not the new. Because we're going to see, he says, your eyes shall not pity him, but you shall put away the guilt of innocent blood from Israel that it may go well with you. Now, this is the old covenant. But, is is pity a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends on, number one, the circumstance, but it also depends on the covenant. Remember, the law has a distinct inability to touch a heart. In order for the law to touch a heart, a person in their mind must fear the Lord, trust the Lord, and then love the Lord. So the law has a distinct inability inability to touch the heart without this formula, which is on the majority, the vast majority don't reach that. The vast majority apply, we're gonna see this in the Old Testament, the vast, and even in the New Testament, among the, the, the priesthood, the vast majority, yes, they apply the law, but they do so blindly and in deafness because they don't have ears to hear the law. Because those who follow the formula, who in the law learn to fear the Lord, trust the Lord, and love the Lord, that's where it's a whole new ballgame. That's where you see like Hannah, Samuel, Isaiah, Amos. That's where you see these beautiful people where they actually, like, the law is, leads a person 
to this obedience to the Lord. But it's not out of mere obligation, like compelling, compulsion. It's a servant. Remember Amos? He was a shepherd of a rich guy. It wasn't even his flock. He was a shepherd of a rich guy. And he, he proclaimed, I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. And what did the Lord say? Amos, you're my guy. Surprise, Amos, you're a prophet. But look at the heart of Amos. The majority of people applying the law. Yes, they make their their sacrifices, their offering. They do. They apply the law. They're obedient to the law. But without that formula where it penetrates, where it gets reaches the heart, that's when Isaiah starts to speak in obedience to the Lord. Hey, your offerings, your sacrifice, it's pointless. You see? So we must understand that, that, that yes, that, you know, we have to understand that there, you know, is, is pity a good thing or a bad thing? Well, we must understand the covenants. You see? We must understand the covenants. Remember, the law itself, the Ten Commandments, that is the additive. You see? Until the seed should come. New covenant. See, there's the promise to Abraham, which continues to people today. But in the middle of that was the law, and the law was added because of sin and transgression until the seed should come. And now that the seed has come and has died, and I speak of Jesus Christ, and resurrected, rose again. It's a different ballgame. We must understand the covenants. A lot of Christians get into trouble. I believe in Jesus Christ, but if you punch me in the face, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna just deck you as hard as I can. I love I'm a Christian and I love the Lord. But if you do this to me, ooh, watch out. You see? That is a person who doesn't understand the covenants. They, they, they attempt to abide in the new covenant, but by their disobedience to the fulfillment of the law and the promise of the new covenant, all of a sudden they step foot in the old covenant. And there's no safety in that. In order to go to the old covenant, you have to leave Jesus Christ. You see? Very deep these discussions that we're having. Very, very deep. We cannot apply the law. As New Covenant believers, we must never apply the law because the law was added until the seed, Jesus Christ. And yet you see it in the church today. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You want to punch me? Okay. I'm going to get a brick and smash it upside your head. You see? That's that's where you get lukewarmness. The lukewarm heart. Because, you know, you have lukewarm in one foot in the world and one foot in the church. But then you also have lukewarmness in one foot in the church and one foot in the in the law. One foot in the new covenant, one foot in the old covenant. 
Both aren't good. We need to be abiding in Christ, the new covenant. And so we see this in verse 14. You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark or like boundary. You see it today. Like, you know, if you're building a fence, you know, and like, you know, people, the neighbors, you know, they might have like a certain markings on, on like the, you know, the property markings, you know, but you say, oh, okay, I want this little area for my dog. So I'm going to move this fence over here and expand my, expand my property. That's illegal. Don't do that. But the, you, you have, you have examples of that today. And yet the law says, Again, a statute, remember, like a substatute. <laughs> you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark or boundary, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. <clears throat> One witness. <clears throat> One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Now, we, we studied this in chapter 17, not too long ago. Now, you see, we're going to see abuses of this in the Old Testament, and we see abuses of it today. Matthew 18, you know, uh, 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 several witnesses, and you see the abuse today in the church among Christians. You see the abuse? Corruption. This corruption that we see enter the camp of Israel, it is corruption that can enter the church and does enter the church and it will get worse and worse and worse. Remember, judgment comes first to the church. Church can be a very dangerous place. As, you know, it, it's very interesting how in these last days, you know, we're starting to see a deeper understanding. There's an interesting dichotomy that we're seeing emerge in these last days. There's a deeper understanding of the truth of Scripture. But it's among the remnant. A deeper understanding. But then you also have something else. That's one side of the token. You also have something else. The apostate is getting deeper and deeper and deeper into apostasy. You see? These things must, it's prophesied to happen. Remember the four categories? Those entering apostasy. Now those entering apostasy, it's going to get deeper into apostasy. But we're seeing this in these days. As we speak, we're seeing this happen for such a time as this. The remnant is getting this deeper understanding and being refined. By the word, through the word, and in fulfillment of the word in the lives of the remnant, you see it happening. And it's beautiful. It's glorious. But among the apostate, calling themselves Christians, you're seeing something else. The wrath of God. You see? Therefore, remember in Romans 1, therefore God turned them over. Strong delusion is a form of judgment, what we read about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's a sign of the, one of many signs of the times. Strong delusion. And we see it happening. That's why you hear us say all the time, jump ship. 
Because the ship you're on isn't safe. If it's among the apostate, it is not safe. You, you can be Mormon. Jump ship. Mormon, no more. You could be Catholic. Jump ship. Catholic, no more. You can be Buddhist, Krishna, whatever. Jump ship. None of those things, no more. And when you abide in Christ, you are a Christian. You see? So we see this in verse 16. If a false witness rises against any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, wrongdoing, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall make careful inquiry. And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away evil from among you. Very interesting. Very interesting. Because we see in the New Testament... We see corruption has had its run among the priesthood. Corruption will have its way in the priesthood and the kings in the Old Testament. But we see fullness of that corruption in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord, Son of the Most High, wanting to kill Jesus. Wanting to kill Paul. Remember our study in the book of Acts? And how many times it's like, man, what are these priests up? What are they doing? There's there's sacrifices to be made and they're chasing Paul all over the place. False accusations. And these so-called supporters of the law, well, if the law were really to be applied, they should be the ones to die. If the law were really applied, but no, corruption has had its full course. It's full run. You see? That's why, you know, just give it to the Lord. Vengeance is the Lord. My pastor in California, he he always used to say, you know, the Lord is cleaner than the mafia. He's cleaner than the mafia. Yes, there's time for grace and mercy, but sometimes he just cleans house. And we're going to see more of that in these last days. In verse 20, and those who remain shall hear and fear. Very interesting. Those who remain shall hear and fear. Now you see a picture of the behavior traits of the remnant. So the Old Testament, you see these for the the body, the camp, the entirety of the camp. You see the attributes of leaven. And then you also see the attributes of the remnant. And the attributes of the leaven, it's dealt with. And then you see the attributes of the remnant. And the remnant who hear, in verse 20, those who remain, like the remnant, the remainder, those who remain shall hear and fear. Now there's a fear of the Lord. And now in the fear of the Lord, which in the fear a person learns to trust, who learns to love, now their ears are rightly tuned. Now they have ears to hear. You see, just like Isaiah says, to hear the law. Turn with me really quick to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 20. 
This is Paul's letter to Pastor, Pastor Timothy. Pastor Paul to Pastor Timothy, a young pastor. In verse 20, chapter 5, 1 Timothy, Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. Now see, this isn't just a blanket statement for like, you know, hey, if you're a pastor, rebuke in the presence of all. A lot of pastors read that way, teach that way, apply that way, and employ those way. But I say, don't do that. If you're a pastor, even an elder, male, overseer ministry, and you read verse 20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all. Now, I say don't do that with to preface it with something else. You better make sure you're a Timothy. You see? You better make sure you're a Timothy. Before you do verse 20, you better make sure you're a Timothy. Look who Timothy's teacher was. You see? A guy who wasn't like the average bear. Remember our study through Acts? How many times did we say it? All the time till we were blue in the face. He's not like the average bear. This Paul... If you're a pastor or elder and you're going to employ and apply in your fellowship of a flock that is not yours, it is the Lord's, and you're going to apply verse 20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, you better make sure you're a Timothy. And in order to be a Timothy, you need a Paul. You see? This isn't, A, don't do drugs, and you're a crackhead. A, don't do sex, and you're a sexhead. A, don't do alcohol, and you're an alcoholic. A, don't do Buddha, and you're a Buddhist. A, don't do this, don't do the occult, don't do the Ouija boards, and you're doing the exact same thing. That's hypocrisy, which is rampant in the last days. So if you're a Timothy, who had a teacher like Paul, if that's you, when you meet that criteria, the biblical, when the formula is right in you, overseer, elder, or pastor, male, if you're female, this doesn't apply to you. Oh, but I'm a pastor. I'm a female. I'm a pastor. Still doesn't apply. You need to repent and step down. You're in the wrong. Wrong formula. I love you. Wrong formula. Jump ship. But if the formula is right in you, male, pastor, male, elder, and those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all. But I'll say this, only the crucified can correct. Only the crucified can correct. And before you do such a thing in the presence of all, do it in the presence of one, Jesus Christ. Hey, brother. Hey, brother, I noticed this. What's going on, brother? Hey, sister, come here. I noticed this. What's happening? Why is this happening? This shouldn't be the case. Look, we're Christians. This is what the Bible says. This is what is pleasing to the Lord. Why are you messing with this? Why are you doing this? Why do you behave in such a manner? I don't say this to hurt you. Brother, repent. Look, let's do it right now. Repent. And you repent and I'm going to pray for you. Sister, why does this need to persist? Let's end it right now. Let's repent. And I'm going to pray with you. I'll be right here with you. Let's get you cleaned up. 
You see, a person persists, wants to be, you know, carnal in whatever manner. Remember, we exercise grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. But a person wants to go one year, two years, three years, and no repentance. Okay, listen. You've made your choice, and because of your choice, I have to respond now. And in so doing, now we got to handle some business. That's from verse 20. You better make sure you're a Timothy. And in order to be a Timothy, you need a Paul. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear that the remnant, just like we see in the Old Testament, that the remnant, the remainder, the rest also may fear. Absent of this, babies stay babies. We get into the First Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4 model. Then you get the First Corinthians chapter 5 dealing with. Absent of this, you get the First Corinthians chapter 3 church model, which isn't good. And that's when babies stay babies. Why? Because the pastors don't want to do their jobs. The elders don't want to do their jobs. It's called defunctness. It's also called disobedience. It's also called for the pastors and elders. It's also called judgment for you. Let not many be teachers. You see? When pastors are more like Eli, when they need to be like Samuel, Pastors are more like Eli than they, when they need to be like Samuel. Elders are more like Eli and they need to be like Samuel. You see? Always exercising grace, mercy, and love and forgiveness. But even for pastors, the Lord never calls any teacher or pastor or elder to be stupid. We have to be wise. You see? That the remnant may fear. Because the church, judgment comes first to the church. The church is going to be a madhouse in the last days. A mess. Straight up mess. Mess will abound inside the church. But we see it in Revelation 2 and 3. I love this about you, but this I have against you. I love this about you, but I, this I have against you. This I have against you. This I have against you. And what does the Lord say? Red letters. Repent. You better repent. Repent, 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 repent. See? And so, going back to Deuteronomy 19, in closing... In verse 20, and those who remain shall hear and fear. Old Testament, New Testament, hearing, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of wisdom, which means more wisdom can be added, but the fear of the Lord has to be there. And hereafter, they shall not again commit such evil among you. You see, let not the evil be an influencer. Because when this isn't dealt with, or when the judges are corrupt, or you know, when when uh, in verse eighteen the judges shall make careful inquiry, you see. Now, when these people come into town, like in verse seventeen, uh, uh, the st- shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges. If corruption enters the priests and the judges, then filth is going to enter the camp. The camp won't be clean. You see? But yet there's a remnant. 
those who have ears. And those precursory to having ears is the fear of the Lord. When corruption enters, evil can become the influence. And you're going to see corruption enter. But then among the remnant, you're going to see something so beautiful, so glorious. You're going to see no corruption. You're going to see righteousness and holiness. Old Testament. But you see it in the New Testament as well. You know what's so powerful and beautiful about the New Testament? You see people jump and ship left and right. People who swear allegiance to Caesar and they jump ship and swear allegiance to Jesus Christ and become Christians. People who swear allegiance to the Torah and they jump ship and become Christians. People who jump ship, or people who, who swear allegiance to Diana and they jump ship and become Christians. It's beautiful. And even in these last days, you see people jumping ship and becoming Christians. It's the remnant of the last days. In verse 21, Your eyes shall not pity, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Whoa, this is the law. Remember, we understand the covenants. In closing, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, we see this. Now, what we just read was the old covenant. A covenant, yes. But remember, the law was added to the promise. Why? Because of sin. Listen to our study through Galatians. The law is the additive. It was added because of sin. Until the seed. And that's Jesus Christ. And what does this seed say? In chapter 5 of the book of Matthew verse 38. He says this. The fulfillment of the law and the promise. The seed himself speaks. And he says. You have heard that it was said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Which is the law. What we just read in Deuteronomy 19. But I tell you, whoa, 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 hold the phone right there. But I tell you, he says, who in the world has the authority? Number one, who in the world has the audacity to even attempt to say such a thing? And I say that carnally. Who in the world has the ability to even suggest that he can even say such a thing? There is only one. Only one. It's Jesus Christ. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, those of the law, they should have known. They could have had their doubts. They could have had their skepticism. And there's... You know, there, there's an aspect of healthy skepticism. Uh, I mean, a person comes on the scene and pro- makes these proclamations. It's like, okay, we got, we got to test this guy out. But the Pharisees going to Jesus Christ, people of the law, they would go to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. Not all of them. Some Pharisees became Christians. 
I mean, listen to our study through the book of Acts. You'll understand. Some Pharisees became Christians. But then at the same time, just the fact that he says, but I tell you, whoa. He says that. It's a whole new ballgame. Because he says that. And biblically speaking, there's only one who could even attempt to utter such a thing. The Pharisees should have known who it was who was speaking. But I tell you, yes, he just, you know, cited the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person. Not to oppose an evil person. Whoa. But a guy punched me in the face. And it was so hard that my eye had to be amputated. My eye had to be removed. I got a patch. Call me patchy. The guy punched me so hard that my teeth fell out. You know, two teeth. And I'm a little guy. I can't hit that hard. But I got this bat that can do the job. That's carnal. That's called lukewarm. Because you have one foot in the church and not one foot in the world per se. You have one foot in the church and one foot in the law. And in order to be in the law, you have to exit Jesus Christ. And when you exit Jesus Christ, it is not safe for your soul. Satan knows this. And he seduces because he wants people to exit Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ. He wants people to exit Jesus Christ. And I say to you, never exit Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ. You might say, oh, I'm abiding in Jesus Christ and I go grave soaking every day. That's a false Jesus. You're in danger because you're not in the real Jesus. You're not abiding in the real Jesus. You see? I'm a grave soaker. How dare you say this? This is necromancy. We studied this last week. Listen to our study through Deuteronomy 18. Satan muddies the water to trick people to think they're abiding in Christ. But it must be the real Jesus. Remember in the last days, many Christs. Many, many, many Christs. But the real Christ, biblically, his word is above his name. That's how you'll know. Be a Berean, my friend. And the Lord says, I tell you not to resist or oppose an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. You see? The Holy Spirit is required. And this is how you know you see it. Look at the fruit in Christians. Especially now in these last days. Look at the carnality among Christians. Oh, look, the government is getting too strong. We got to kill them. Look, the government is like this. We got to oppose. We got to resist, resist, resist. And this guy says this. And the leftists are doing this. And we got to oppose. And we got to kill them. And we got to do this. We got to fight them. We got to beat them up. Whatever it takes, we got to do this. 
understand the times. When salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing than to be trampled underfoot by men. We see our land being trampled underfoot by men. What does that tell us? Salt has lost its flavor. Yet another, one of many, 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 many signs of the times. Redemption. Redemption draws nearer and nearer and nearer. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Understand As wickedness increases in these last days, remember, prophetically speaking, love waxes cold and we see it happening today. Love is waxing cold. But also understand, among the wicked, there's fish. There are fish. There are fish. We're going to study this more in a couple weeks, Lord willing, when we get into spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.